Welcome to Rereads. To Rereads. There once was a boy who possessed gifts for the conjuring of magic. As a young man, he was sent to a school for wizards. But this is not the book you're bringing to mind. Ursula Le Guin published her book, A Wizard of Earthsea, in 1968. It is the story of a uniquely gifted boy named Sparrowhawk, also named Ged, who is sent to the Isle of the Wise, a school for wizards, and then seeks to do right by attempting to undo a great wrong that he committed through his pride, arrogance, and wounded ego, where a great evil was unleashed upon the world. Our imaginations are stirred and transformed by good fiction. The genres of fantasy and science fiction have a particular way of touching our imaginative selves to help us understand grand themes, human failure and struggles, transcendency, the nature of evil, and the heroic work of redemption and restoration. Like many young people, upon finishing the grand epics like The Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia, I began looking around to find other authors that could engage and excite my sense of adventure, like Tolkien and Lewis had done. When someone suggested Ursula Le Guin, I was excited to run down to our local bookseller and purchase a three-volume book set of the Earth Sea Trilogy. It was a box set, so it had to be good. As a young man myself, I loved reading A Wizard of Earthsea. It was just enough different from Tolkien and Lewis, but still exciting and engaging in the world Ursula Le Guin created. Some will tell you that this is a coming-of-age story, whereby the protagonist is gifted and fails, only to try to put to right the failure of his earlier actions. In my first read of A Wizard of Earthsea, I was somewhere around 19 years old, the same age as the main character, Sparrowhawk, as we find him in the last half of the book. Ursula Le Guin paints several remarkable and dramatic scenes in this book, and each of them describe a similar theme, the confrontation of evil. Now, while this could be a common theme in much fantasy literature, in A Wizard of Earthsea, the confrontation of evil is on a personal level as opposed to a grand, sweeping confrontation of the armies of darkness by those who would defend what is good and right in this world. In some ways, Le Guin tells a story about averting evil before it can spread through the personal responsibility of the main character as he owns his own mistakes and seeks to remedy the harm he has done. Personal Responsibility There is a reason that this theme resonated with me. Responsibility was an oft-used word in the home of my upbringing, as it was regularly on the lips of my father as he spoke to his only son. For some reason, my sisters didn't require that teaching as much as I did. Owning my mistakes and accepting the consequences was a lesson I regularly sat under. So then, when I read the story of Sparrowhawk, this young man who failed epically, my imagination took hold of the themes of failure, redemption, and restoration, seeking to make things right in the world. The first half of the story introduces us to the boy Sparrowhawk. 
an individual who possesses the acumen and latent power for magic. Yet we also learn several other things about Sparrowhawk. He is proud, and bristles at being thought of a fool. He is hungry for knowledge, but not for wisdom. He thinks powers to selfishly wield, as opposed to being a way to serve others. Sparrowhawk's great abilities need the tempering of wise, humble teachers who seek to help the young aspiring wizard to find his way in the world of Ursi. And here then lies the difference for me. In my first reading and recent rereading of A Wizard of Ursi, in my first read, I was attracted to the protagonist and his heroic and sometimes ill-conceived deeds. In rereading the book, I find the older teachers of Sparrowhawk to be the more compelling characters. Like Sparrowhawk, my 19-year-old self overlooked the undercurrent of wise teaching described in this story and desiring the adventure and action of its hero. Certainly the action is compelling and dramatic, battles with dragons and shadow creatures from another age. But it is the conversations between these older masters and Sparrowhawk, where the action slows down and the wisdom of humility and quiet reflection is the real power that is demonstrated and taught. The following are the lessons Le Guin presents to the reader through the masters of Ursi. Lesson number one, know its being, which is more than knowing its use. The master Ogion is a quietly powerful wizard Stories are told of a time past when Ogion stopped an earthquake from destroying a seaport. Yet Ogion does not seek fame or prestigious positions in the courts of power. Instead, he is content to wander the hills and mountains in solitude, offering aid to those simple folk who require it. In the first days of Sparrowhawk's guidance under Ogion, young man grows quickly disillusioned. Wizardry is about mastery, controlling the elements, and doing whatever your whims might suggest. This is the misguided apprehension of youth that would hold that freedom means I can do whatever I want, when it is later learned that freedom means I can do what I ought, to paraphrase Lord Acton. In a beautifully simple scene, Ogion has a conversation with young Sparrowhawk, known as Ged, about the ways to walk in the world. Here is how Le Guin describes this scene. Though a very silent man, he was so mild and calm that Ged soon lost his awe of him. In a day or two more, he was bold enough to ask his master, When will my apprenticeship begin, sir? It has begun, said Ogion. There was a silence as if Ged was keeping back something he had to say. Then he said it, but I, I haven't learned anything yet. Because you haven't found out what I'm teaching, replied the mage, going on his steady, long-legged pace along the road. He was a dark man, like most gauntishmen, dark copper-brown, gray-haired, lean and tough as a hound, tireless. He spoke seldom, ate little, slept less. His eyes and ears were very keen, and often there was a listening look on his face. You went to work spells, 
Ogion said presently, striding along. You've drawn too much water from that well. Wait. Manhood is patience. Mastery is nine times patience. What's that herb on the path? Starflower. And that? I don't know. Forfoil, they call it. Ogion halted. The copper-shod foot of his staff near the little weed. So Ged looked closely at the plant and plucked a dry weed pod from it and finally asked, since Ogion said nothing more, What is its use, master? None that I know of. When you know the forefoil in all its seasons and root, leaf and flower, by sight and scent and seed, then you may learn its true name, knowing its being, which is more than its use. Lesson number two. For what I have is what you lack. The quote uttered by Ogion is such a sublime word of challenge and instruction. Ogion takes the younger man under his tutelage. Sparrowhawk, impatient uh, of the slow and simple teaching of Ogion, chooses to act in a classic sorcerer's apprentice manner. He surreptitiously takes a peek at a book of spells and begins to utter an incantation that is both dangerous and beyond his skill. Thankfully, Sparrowhawk is both interrupted and saved by his master from the dark shadow that had been foolishly invoked. Seeing both the power and impatient foolishness of Sparrowhawk, Ogion offers the young man a choice. Go to the Isle of the Wise and learn from the great masters, or stay and learn under his quiet, patient ways. For what I have is what you lack. Ogion sees that Sparrowhawk misunderstands the nature of wisdom, that it is not power and fame. Rather, wisdom is humility and patience and selflessness. Le Guin beautifully captures this interaction when she writes, Ogion knelt down and built the fire on the hearth and lit it, for the house was cold. Then still kneeling, he said in a quiet voice, my young falcon, you are not bound to me or to my service. You did not come to me, but I to you. You are very young to make this choice, but I cannot make it for you. If you wish, I will send you to Roke Highland, where all high arts are taught. Any craft you undertake to learn, you will learn, for your power is great. Greater even than your pride, I hope. I would keep you here with me. For what I have is what you lack. Ged stood dumb, his heart bewildered. He had come to love this man, Ogion, who had healed him with a touch and who had no anger. He loved him and had not known it until now. He looked at the oaken staff leaning in the chimney corner, remembering the radiance of it, how it had burned out evil from the dark, and he yearned to stay with Ogion, to go wandering through the forest with him, long and far, learning how to be silent. Yet other cravings were in him that would not be stilled, the wish for glory, the will to act. Ogion seemed a long road towards mastery, a, a slow bypath to follow. 
when he might go sailing before the sea wind straight into the inmost sea to the isle of the wise where the air was bright with enchantments and the archmage walked amidst wonders. Master, he said, I will go to Roke. These simple lines of wisdom become the anchor pins for the story of the soon-to-be wizard. Many wondrous experiences take place on the Isle of Roke when Sparrowhawk arrives and begins his formal education. Sitting under the nine masters of Roke, Sparrowhawk is taught how to create illusions, changing the appearance of things, capture and make use of the power of weather, and learn the true names of the created world and its occupants. Lesson number three. Let rocks be rocks. In a conversation with one of the masters, Sparrowhawk questions his teacher about the concept of changing the nature of a thing. Sparrowhawk wants to wield power significant enough to completely undo and redo creation, saying, in effect, I don't just want to change the appearance of a thing. I want to wield enough power to change the essence of a thing. The conversation between Sparrowhawk and the master goes like this, as related by Le Guin. To change this rock into a jewel, you must change its true name. And to do that, my son, even to so small a scrap of the world, is to change the world. It can be done. Indeed, it can be done. It is the art of the master changer, and you will learn it when you are ready to learn it. But you must not change one thing, one pebble, one grain of sand, until you know what good and what evil will follow on that act. The world is in balance, in equilibrium. A wizard's power of changing and summoning can shake the balance of the world. It is dangerous, that power. It is most perilous. It must follow knowledge and serve need. To light a candle is to cast a shadow. He looked down at the pebble again. A rock is a good thing, too, you know, he said, speaking less gravely. Enjoy illusions, lad, and let rocks be rocks. Mastery and power must never supersede the cares and concerns of the world. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. In the little digging I've done, it would seem that Ursula Le Guin, this longtime Portland resident, understood the challenges and concerns of conservation and preserving the environment. Be careful. Consider the impact you are making on the natural world. Understand that our will and actions have consequences. Let rocks be rocks. Lesson number four. It is the shadow of your arrogance, the shadow of your ignorance, the shadow you cast. As mentioned in the beginning, a wizard of Ursi is at heart a story concerning the confrontation of evil. As a young man under the guidance of Ogion, Sparrowhawk grows impatient with his master's slow and intentional teaching. Stealing a glance at a forbidden book, the young Sparrowhawk unknowingly beckons the presence of a shadow. I remember thinking as a young man and still think now that the scene is an echo of a similar scene in the first book of the Hebrew Scriptures. In the fourth chapter of Genesis, we have the figure of Cain, who is jealous of his brother and disgruntled with God. 
The conversation God has with Cain is expressed like this. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Compare this with the following selection from a wizard of Ursi. Raising his head, he saw it was dark in the house. He had been reading without light in the darkness. He could not make out the runes when he looked down at the book. Yet the horror grew in him. Seeming to hold him bound in his chair, he was cold. Looking over his shoulder, he saw that something was crouching beside the closed door. A shapeless clot of shadow darker than the darkness. It seemed to reach out towards him and to whisper and to call him in a whisper. But he could not understand the words. The brilliance of Le Guin, creating this character of the shadow who will become this dangerous and enigmatic figure in the story. Sparrowhawk has unleashed its malevolent presence upon the world. At a later point in the story, Sparrowhawk suffers a near-fatal attack by the shadow creature. After many long months of his recuperation, Sparrowhawk has to sit under the chastening words of the Archmage of Roke, the master of the Isle of the Wise. It is he who tries to explain the nature of evil that Sparrowhawk has set forth. Lord Gensher, I do not know what it was, the the thing that came out of the spell and, and cleaved to me. Nor do I know. It has no name. You have power in Borneo, and you used that power wrongly to work a spell over which you had no control, not knowing how the spell affects the balance of light and dark, life and death and good and evil. And you were moved to do this by pride and by hate. Is it any wonder the results were ruined? You summoned a spirit from the dead. But with it came one of the old powers of unlife. Uncalled it came from a place where there are no names. Evil. It wills to work evil through you. The power you had to call it gives it power over you. You are connected. It is the shadow of your arrogance, the shadow of your ignorance, the shadow you cast. Evil. Our shadow selves. Our darker instincts that work out of a wounded pride. This evil becomes personified in Le Guin's story. And it is a story, I believe, that has much to teach us. A Wizard of Earthsea is a wonderful story to read and reread. It is a story for young and old, with themes that engage our imaginations, no matter where we find ourselves in our own voyage. This has been Rereads, and my name is Kent Place. Join us next month as we consider Sister Joan Chittister's The Rule of Benedict an insight for the ages. Here's a little teaser from the sagacious nun.
To the wise, it seems, life is not a series of events to be controlled. Life is a way of walking through the universe, whole and holy. Until then, be well, and remember, you can never step into the same book twice.